Welcome to New York Institute of Technology's podcast, The Scope. Produced by the College of Osteopathic Medicine, our episodes focus on the medical school experience and how it helps shape future physicians. Learn about exciting new health and wellness initiatives, cutting-edge medical research and technology, and how to effectively navigate medical school. We are excited to have you join us. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the SCOPE podcast. I'm your host, second-year medical student and student government second vice president, Hannah English. Today, we are joined by a terrific discussion panel from both our New York and Arkansas campus locations. From our Arkansas campus, please welcome Associate Dean of Academic Affairs, Dr. Amanda Deal, and third-year medical student and valued podcast committee member, Abu Bakr Malik. From our New York campus, Assistant Dean of Clinical Affairs, Dr. Nelson Ng, and fourth-year medical student, past SGA president, and student DO of the year for NYITCOM, Kimberly Fisiclione. Thank you all for joining us today. So to start us off, could the students on the panel please tell us what were your expectations going into third year, and how were those expectations met, and how did your experiences differ from your expectations? That's a really good question. I was really surprised at the start of my clinical rotations. I feel like you have no idea what to expect. I knew that I was expecting to learn a lot and to be challenged. And I was really interested to see how all of the stuff I learned in my preclinical years was going to actually translate into the clinical setting and how I was going to use that nitty gritty knowledge that I had to learn, especially coming off studying for my board exams. So I was really looking forward to starting rotations, but I was really nervous. So I would say my expectations were to learn a lot and to be tired and to be excited and get to see a lot of cool things. And my expectations were met and just truly exceeded. I just wanted to say that the first two years of medical school are sort of like learning a foreign language. So like you're learning French. And then when you enter a third year, you get to go to France. And when you get to go to France, there's so much more than what you just learned in the language. So the thing is, is uh, you may know conjugation and the verbs, but you don't know how to get to the hotel. Uh, you don't know how to work with the team members yet. And this is all what you're trying to learn when you transition over from a second year to a third year. And there's just so much more than just knowing the language. So you guys are eminently prepared when you first start because you've got all that basic science knowledge and it's down. But then when you hit the wards, there's all these new people you're meeting, right? And you're learning how to be a member of their team and you're learning you know, what the nurse's job is and what the patient navigator's job is. So there's just so much more than just knowing the basic science and, and when you get onto the clinical wards. That's a great way to put it, Dr. Eng. I am really excited to actually start using the language. And Kim, you got me excited as well. Abu, do you want to tell us how your experiences were in Arkansas? Yes, definitely. So the way I viewed third year going into it was it was kind of like an oasis. Like you spend the first few years in the desert, you're learning all this stuff that you've never heard about, all these biochemical processes, all these diseases that you've never seen in real life. 
And then in my head, I was like, okay, third year is going to be like this oasis. It's going to be like heaven on earth. I'm not going to be studying as much. I'm just going to be applying everything that I've learned. But then actually entering third year, I realized that not everything that glitters is gold. Um, you get worked a lot as a student. You apply a lot of what you've learned. Some of it can be grueling, but a lot of it can be extremely gratifying as well. My expectations were definitely met, if not exceeded. I've got to do a lot of things I didn't expect to be doing. It feels nice. You know, you're making a difference in like the people's lives, your patients' lives, even like your preceptor's life, the lives of like people around you in your community and stuff like that. Awesome. Thank you, Abu. That's great to hear about your experiences as well. One thing that I would love to know, and I'm sure you guys will be able to help with this question, is what if you're unsure about a specific procedure or requirements within your new clerkship environment, and who would be the best person to ask? I can talk a little bit about this. So there's been so many times where you kind of get put on the spot. So imagine like a patient comes in with hypertension and the doctor asks you like, why does such a young person have something that is usually found in like an older population? And one thing that I've noticed is that as a medical student, you kind of have a safety net. You can say whatever you think is the best answer. However, even if you get a right or wrong date, always expect you to not know as much as them. So you always have that safety net to fall back on as a medical student. You always have to remember that you are the student, but you are also a contributing member of the team. As a contributing member, if I have a student with me and I ask them to do a procedure and they are not comfortable with it, I want them to let me know. We'll walk through it. There's a old adage in medical education, see one, do one, teach one. It doesn't always work that quickly. <laughs> so I'd really rather for the student to know why the procedure is being done and maybe some of the potential complications of the procedure before just rotely doing a procedure. Medical students are very bright people and you pick up skills very quickly, but the understanding of why you're doing it, when you're doing it and what could go wrong and what to do, that's something else. Your preceptor is there, nurses are there, technicians are there, other medical students are there, residents are there. You have a lot of people to lean on. Saying that you don't know that procedure yet, but you would love to learn, that is a great place to start. I think the key is you can't be afraid to ask for feedback. And it's all about what we call deliberate practice. Malcolm Gladwell says you need 10,000 hours to become an expert, right? You're starting that journey now. So you're starting to get those hours. And it's not enough to just get feedback. You need to act on the feedback. It's a loop. I am an introvert. And I think a lot of the medical students are introverts. And since uh, we've been in this COVID pandemic, we've been sort of like working in our silos. And when you get into the clinical rotations, you finally have to learn to talk again, right? <laughs> and you're starting to meet everybody on, on service. So the key is on these evaluations that we give you guys, we only ask for a mid-rotation feedback, and we ask for a feedback at the end of the rotation. But as a medical student, you need to ask for feedback sometimes daily, sometimes weekly, sometimes monthly. And the thing is, is like once you get it, you need to act on it. And no one likes to get negative feedback. But you got to be honest with yourself and sort of take a look at it and say, you know, how can I do that H&P better? Or did I do a good job with that patient 
in giving bad news. And no one does it perfect the first time. No one does it perfect the 50th time. I'm still learning to do things. The key is to keep doing it and improving as you go along. And sooner or later, you'll get those 10,000 hours, hopefully by the uh, time you finish medical school. <laughs> Kim, did you have something you wanted to add? Joining different hospital environments can be really confusing, and that's one of the best parts, but also the worst parts of doing your clinical rotations is that you go to a bunch of different places. A lot of people aren't just at one hospital site, especially in your fourth year. So it could be confusing. What should I do? What requirements do I need to meet? Where do I need to be when? Um, so as far as who you can contact with regards to that, every clerkship, you're going to have a clerkship director, which is usually a physician that oversees you and they're in charge of the students. And then you have someone else who's usually the program coordinator and they're in charge of the students in general. So they're always a safe place to ask if your resident or your attending doesn't know. So Dr. Pasiglione, thank you for that. Um, in, in Arkansas, it's, it's just a little bit different, mainly because the status of our graduate medical education within our state, our state is a very rural state. I love the contrast between our campuses. I think it positively influences both to see the different kind of dynamics um, within different settings in the United States where healthcare is delivered. Our students, really their first point of contact are employees called regional clinical site managers. And they really kind of manage our students within their rotations. And then we have our clinical education department. The hospitals that our students work in are really excited to have students and they love to work with them. And they will typically have some points of contact within the hospital, but they don't all have GME programs. Not yet, anyway. We're working on that. Well, thank you to you both for informing us about the medical education departments at the different sites. That's really valuable information. I wanted to circle back to how we were talking about the feedback. Kim and Abu, do you have any specific examples on when you had to ask for feedback and how, as a student, you can go about talking with your attendings if you would like to ask for it? Yeah, thank you for that question. Feedback is so important on rotations because without it, you really don't have the best idea of how you're doing. You do need to know, that's very important as a physician, how you come off to other people and what you could work on because nobody's perfect. So it's really important to ask for feedback. And also in this process, you're learning how to give feedback to someone because sometimes you're gonna ask for feedback and you really don't like the way that it's given to you. And then you know, I will never give someone feedback in that way. So it's a really cool learning experience because you're going to be a resident in a few short years and you're going to be the one providing the feedback to the medical students. So it's an important skill to learn while you're a medical student for sure. So as far as when I ask for feedback, it depends on how the day goes. If I worked with that resident really closely at the end of the day before I'm leaving, I'll say, hey, anything you think I can work on? Anything that I could do better? Can we talk about what went well today? What could have went better? You always want to know what you're doing well in addition to what you could improve on because there are going to be things that you're so great at and you want to know those things because it's going to help get you through the hard days. But then there are always things that you could work on. So feel free to ask for both. And as a 
rule of thumb, I always make sure I ask midway through when I'm working with the resident or the attending, and then at the end of my time with them. So that's one of the first things I do whenever I arrive at a hospital site. In my first few days, I get a feel for how the schedule works between the residents and the attendings. And then I know kind of how long I'm going to be working with each of them so that I could plan when I'm going to ask for feedback. And asking for feedback can be a little scary. So that helps prepare me in advance. Like, okay, I'm working with this resident through Friday. So Friday, I have to ask them for feedback. So I, I need to prepare myself for that. There's another key point. You don't need to just ask the attending or the resident. Believe it or not, nursing, even the cleaning people can tell you something about yourself. The thing is, you may think you're the cat's meow and the, um, the attending may think so also, but nursing would say, you know, you'd be so much better if you did A, B, and C. And you didn't even know you could do A, B, and C because that would help them with their job. And this is all about a team sport, medicine is. And um, you guys are starting off as third-year medical students, but one day you're going to be leading this team. The other thing about feedback, there's two big broad categories, um, what we call formative feedback and summative feedback. So summative feedback you get at mid-rotation and at the end, it's sort of a checklist. Did you do A, B, C, D on the rotation? Well, what you guys want to ask for is what we call formative feedback. How did I do that day? Uh, what could I do better? As an attending, the first thing I've learned is I always give positive feedback first because people tend to shut off when they have negative feedback. So I always give the positives first, and then I follow up with the negative feedback. But once again, you shouldn't be afraid to get negative feedback because everyone's starting out, everyone's learning. Thank you, everyone, for your awesome advice on giving feedback, because I definitely know I'll be using that next year. One other main question that I think a lot of second year students would love to know is how do you guys find time to study while you're working these sort of real life jobs in the healthcare world? Uh, I can talk about this for a little bit. OK, one thing is like a very small pet peeve that I have is when someone calls your clinical rotations work. I think that you're a student first and foremost. And as a student, you should find time to study and people should be understanding of the fact that you need to study. One thing that I've learned that really helps a lot when you're out on your rotations to kind of just have like maybe flashcards or something to take notes on while you're at your rotation, not to just save everything until the very end of the day, because usually you can be pretty tired out after working like an eight or 12 hour shift. But sprinkling some studying here and there and keeping your mind active can help you retain information a lot more than just coming back home and you're brain dead and you're just kind of forcing or cramming information into your head. I think that's a really great way to put it, Abu, because when I think of third year, I kind of see it as I'm going off to a job. But that's so true. We're still students. We're still there to learn. So thank you for saying that. I agree completely with Abu. It's really challenging to manage your time when you're on rotations and different rotations are going to have different requirements of you depending on which specialty you're on, where you're located, if you're inpatient, if you're outpatient. So third and fourth year is all about adjusting when you're on your clinical rotations and using your time as wisely as you can. So that could be however that looks for you, however you like to study. So if like Abu said, you're a flashcard person or if you like to do practice questions and you don't 
need a silent environment to do that. Or if you like to read or watch videos, whatever you can do to utilize your time the best that you can while you're in the hospital. And especially if you have a long commute, I used to listen to videos on my hour and a half commute each way from the hospital for my OBGYN rotation. It was a very interesting time, but I got through it. Definitely utilizing your time and whatever time you have that you could get that studying done, because at the end of the day, you just need to learn when you're on your rotations. And if you feel like you don't know something, you can learn it. Everyone has room to grow. Use your time wisely, however you could do it. So do your practice questions, get everything done. That's another part of when you get to a site and you're figuring out your rotation schedule, you need to plan in the study time and you need to plan in taking time for yourself. So that all goes into time management and you'll have some experience with that having taken your Comlex Level 1 exam the summer prior to starting clinical rotations you will know for a fact you need to schedule in that time for yourself, but you also really need to schedule in your rotation time and your study time. So just making a schedule based on whatever time you do have, that's going to be really important. I did want to add on another thing. Your preceptor can actually help you study as well. There were a couple of times where I was going on my internal medicine rotation to different nursing homes, and some of them were about like half an hour away. And we will sit down and I would open up UWorld on my phone and we will walk through the questions together. And I realized that doing that when time came to take my shelf exam or when I was studying at home, a lot of those concepts that we discussed just as a regular conversation really stuck. And on top of that, to build on what I was saying with studying while on rotations, you can also make sure that you're paying attention to the different presentations that people have when you come in. A lot of those presentations that you see in person are very similar to the way that some of these questions are worded. And it gives you a place to kind of grasp your thinking and to think about a question in like a sense that you've already experienced in person. And that's really helped like anchor a lot of my education as well. Those are really great points, guys. I'm going to ask Dr. Eng and Dr. Deal, could you give us a short summary on what students can expect for COMAT exams? Well, the COMAT exam is a national exam put out by the NBOME. There are blueprints that the students should review before each rotation that sort of gives you a, a summary. It's on the core rotations, and they're internal. They're for your growth. They're not shared with the outside world. So we only require you guys to sit for the examination in order to pass the rotation, but we do use them to gauge how well you're prepared to take the COMLEX 2CE exam. So we expect you to uh, do well on the exams in order to qualify so you can take the COMLEX 2CE. The other thing about the examination is there's two examinations that had shown high correlation with doing successful on, on the COMLEX 2, and that's the internal medicine examination and the ER examination. Uh, so those two exams you should pay special attention to. Hi, thank you for that question. Um, I think some of the study skills that have been uh, and techniques that have been outlined by the students here are fantastic to follow. Uh, making use of all the time that you have during the day so that you're not having to stay up late because, hey, uh, hospitals don't close and they open really, really, really early, the clinics sometimes. So uh, making use of that time management. Uh, you also have resources, um, ComBank, ComQuest, uh, to have practice exams for those um, COMAD examinations. So like Dr. Ng said, I've, I've spoken with 
lots and lots of third and fourth year students. And those that are successful consistently study, they incorporate practice questions into each day of their rotation. Those are the most successful. Once you're successful on COMATS consistently, you can feel really confident about sitting for your level two CE. Thank you very much for answering that question. So we've been talking about a lot of sort of maybe stressful topics. So I want to ask our student panelists, can you tell us quickly what you do for your self-care and hobbies during third year? That's a really great and important question because when you're in your clinical rotations, sometimes you could lose the drive to want to take care of yourself and to do your hobbies because you have so many things to do. You want to be better every day. Every time you go to your rotation, you want to impress. But that requires you to be taking care of yourself so that you could show up and put your best foot forward and be the best version of yourself. So for me, I always scheduled in one day off per week away from questions, away from my rotation, as long as they didn't require me to be there. I always made sure that I was doing things that I loved, whether that was scheduling time to see my family or my boyfriend or hanging out with my friends if our schedules allowed it. And I also made sure to prepare food for myself, which food is very important in your wellness. So I would always meal prep on that day off, make sure that I was grocery shopping, getting healthy snacks if I knew I had that long commute, stocking things in my car that weren't going to go bad sitting in the car just to make sure I always had nutrition and making time for exercise. A lot of times when you're on your rotations, there's 15, 20 minutes of downtime here before you have a lecture or in between lunch or you're waiting for your attending to come. I always would lap around the hospital, get my steps in that way. And that makes you feel well. It always recharges you walking around the hospital or just go outside, get some sunshine. So there's a lot of ways that you could take care of your when you're on your rotations, but you just have to make it a priority. You have to make sure that you do it because no one's going to take care of you like you are. Absolutely. I agree with Kim completely. Another thing that I've been doing in my free time is I play a lot of basketball and I've been going to the gym a lot. I actually played intramurals this year and our team ended up going to the championship. Find time to indulge in your habits. It's tough to talk about at the hospital, sometimes even with your preceptors. I mentioned internal medicine already, but my preceptor was very nice about letting me out maybe an hour early so I can get to my game on time. So make sure that you continue doing all the fun stuff that you do outside of just studying. This has been such a great conversation, and I know I'm going to take so many helpful tips from you all um, moving forward into next year. So I'm going to pose one final question to wrap us all up here. What is something that you can give the rising second years either advice and inspirational story or best practices as we move on into our roles in the hospital? Thank you for that. I tell students, uh, advise them to enter into every rotation with earnest and wanting to learn. So it might not be something that you think that you're interested in but it may end up being the love of your life. Go into it like you're going to learn everything and get everything that you can out of that rotation. And um, keeping that positive attitude will help with your learning and help with your engagement with everybody in that rotation. I completely agree with Dr. Deal. My most important piece of advice that I give to 
everyone who's starting clinical rotations is seize the day when you walk into that rotation. You are there to learn. If this isn't going to be your chosen specialty, this might be the only time that you're exposed to that specialty. So just learn as much as you can, get as much experience, talk to as many patients as you can, spend as much time with them as you can, learn as much as you can. Just put your best foot forward every day that you go into your rotations and learn as much as you can, because this is really the time for you to learn. You're just a student and that's a privilege when you're on your rotations. So enjoy it and learn. I would like to say that when you move in from the first two years to the next two years, you're no longer the focus of attention. The patient becomes the focus of attention. So that's, that's a key difference when you move into the clinical years. The other thing is we're all type A personalities. And you don't need to be perceived as the smartest person in the room when you're on clinical rotation. As a third-year student, you should be the most helpful one. And that's my biggest piece of advice to everybody. One piece of advice that I would give to the rising second years would be to start developing your good habits now. So beginning this year, I actually ditched my backpack and I brought a briefcase to just continue like the professionalism going to like my future career. And then also doing things like being thorough with your physical exams. You want to make sure that it becomes like a second nature for you, right? So you want to be extremely thorough from the beginning. And I wanted to end with this. Third year is a really fun time. You get to apply everything that you've learned in your first two years in a way more practical setting. You also get a cool white coat with your name on it. Go in with your head held up high and good luck, everyone. Well, thank you, everyone. Again, I really appreciate all of those helpful tips and advice as um, second years go into our clinical rotations. I really appreciate being able to host this podcast because I've learned so much just sitting here and listening to everyone. So I would like to thank all of our special guests for joining us today and sharing their valuable insights, suggestions, and experiences. It is our hope that this conversation can be a useful tool for medical students as they prepare for their clerkships during medical school. Thank you to our listeners for joining us today and take care, everybody.